Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing? LJ, I'm doing good. Uh, we did not have very many games today whatsoever. Only five games. Two of them were makeups of – actually, three of them were – makeups of last week so we only had two games on the schedule uh on this day we get the three makeup games we get a benches clearing brawl which uh is not on the schedule but i will add in there lj's we should talk about that i'm not sure if you saw much of that but our top story today uh pretty interesting as we have the royals and the indians facing off We have a pair of brothers facing off where the pitcher for the Kansas City Royals in the ninth inning, Kyle Zimmer, gets the chance to face his brother, Bradley Zimmer, of the Cleveland Indians, who's an outfielder. Naturally, LJ, of course, they face off against each other. It just so happens that it's that point in the lineup where they get to face each other. And naturally, what happens in the bottom, excuse me, it was the bottom of the eighth inning. Naturally, what happens? Uh, Bradley Zimmer leads off the inning with a home run off of his brother. Uh, you can't script it better than that. No. And I think, yeah, there isn't a better way to end the season for two teams that are playing meaningless baseball to have a relatively meaningless home run, at least meaningless to everyone except one household in America. So overall, good for them. It's certainly something to look at if you're either of these teams' fans. So now if you are the Zimmer family and you're watching this at bat, what is your reaction? Like, obviously you're happy because one of your sons hit the home run. However, your other son gave up the home run I would say you're overall happy though like it could have ended I feel like a strikeout also would have been a pretty cool experience but they'll I take a home run. you're just laughing yeah it's just fun it's just like wow like, of course now do you... actually it's probably a pretty refreshing way to do it 
what I bring that back to is um, Mr. and Mrs. Harbaugh when the 49ers played the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Like, you're going to be happy and a little sad with each. Like, you're sad that one's going to end up disappointed and you're happy that the other is going to be very, very happy at the end of this. There's no real side to pick, no side to root for. So just enjoy the game. Yeah. Totally agree. Now, when it comes to the two brothers, I'm sure they've thought about this this moment plenty of times. Now that it actually gets to happen, when they step into the box and the other steps on the mound, I'm sure the adrenaline was was a pumping a, a little more than than a usual. I mean, this is you're still getting paid. You still have a job to execute here. If you're on the mound, like, I feel like you kind of have to give yourself a minute to really process, like, okay, like, I'm facing my brother. Like, what's the scouting report here? What is my well, catch? Well, that's the thing is, you don't, need a, you don't need a traditional scouting report. This guy's been pitching to you since you were six. The <laughs> wiffle ball. Like, you, you know what's happening. Come on. Yeah, and even more so than I think the mind games are on because then it's like, okay, I've been, I've been pitching to my brother for so long. What, what approach do I go with? Do I go with the uh, traditional scouting report that my, my catcher and that I know, or do I just kind of wing it and look to give up a home run on the third pitch of the at bat is I just can't say that I'm surprised because baseball always comes through with, with moments like this. There's just too many games a year for crazy stuff like this to not happen. And that's why we love baseball so much. You know, we've seen in LJ and I are certainly in favor of uh, cutting down the season by maybe 10 or 12 games. LJ had, we have done that. We probably won't get, we probably wouldn't have gotten a moment like this. So Maybe the extra games is, you know, worth it. I mean, probably for our logic, no. But in this case, it certainly is. For this one specific family and portions of these two specific fan bases, yes, it's very much worth it. The Indians ended up winning the game today, not like it mattered very much. Uh, They They are now two games below 500, which is a win for the year. We can agree on that. Yeah, I mean, especially because, uh, you know, they choose to trade away their superstar player prior to the year. They keep Jose Ramirez, who has consistently been one of the best players in the league. He's their superstar if we had to pick one. Let's not forget they just activated Shane Bieber off the IL. He hadn't pitched a full season, and when he has pitched, he's been up and down but still very good. Yeah, LJ, absolutely a win. You know, they have a chance to win 80 games. So if they can go 80 and 82, uh, maybe even like a 79 and 83, I I genuinely think that that's a good result considering they have, what, the second lowest payroll in the league? Like, they're almost like the Rays in the fact where they always have a low payroll but seemingly never are atrocious. Well, yes, this is absolutely a win, and you're forgetting one of the more important parts. They have done the bulk of this without one of the best managers in the league. Yep, that's so right. Carrier Francona hasn't been there since at least July. Yeah, so he's still reasons. dealing with that. Uh, it's like a heart thing, right? Yeah, I believe so. LJ, you certainly have very fond memories of Tito Francona. I mean, you're right. He genuinely is one of the best managers in the league when it comes to in-game management, when it comes to what people have talked about with um, the way that he's able to manage the clubhouse. I mean, let's not forget LJ. Was it 2017? The Indians had a 22 game win streak, which was the longest in MLB history. I mean, so much of that does come back to the manager, I feel, at the end of the day. I mean, sure, the players are the ones who are actually going out there and executing, but what goes on behind the scenes is so important to the atmosphere, the momentum, the adrenaline, everything that happens uh, in a baseball season, and the manager takes so much of that. So you're right, LJ. It is an absolute success 
without Terry Francona. Uh, hopefully his health is better. Uh, yes, LJ, you're right. He left July 29th uh, and he said he'd be out for the rest of the year. So I'll give you one better in terms of what he's done. Let me remind you when he left, this team was competitive. Yep. This team was legitimately in the uh, division race when he left the team. And which was very surprising because no one even expected them to be in the thick of it, especially with how good we expected Chicago to be and how good they have been. So, yeah, overall, big thumbs up on what the Indians were able to do this year. But LJ, should we stay in the AL Central as we have to talk about this White Sox-Tigers game today? Uh, specifically, Jose Abreu comes in with a very hard slide into second base. Uh, I don't what inning did this exactly happen in? Do we know? Uh, ninth inning. This is the top of the ninth inning. The White Sox are up eight to seven. Uh, Jose Abreu gets hit by a pitch. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Gets hit by a pitch in the upper body. Then there's one out. He is trying to steal second for whatever reason. Why Jose Abreu would run? It was a it was a uh, bad a wild pitch. Oh, okay, wild pitch. But he was still it was still a throw close to be able to get him out. He chooses to slide like a step prior to the base, way overslides the base, really hard slide. Nico Goodrum, who was uh, covering second base, takes offense to this. They get into it. The bench is clear. Uh, there was actually quite a bit of like, well, I don't know what the word is. Like there was actual punches and like shoving, pushing going on. This wasn't your uh, typical stand out, stand outside of the dugout for two minutes and get it uh, figured out. There was actual, you know, fists flying here and. Sure, it's a dirty move, and I think what else Whoa. needs to be brought up? Well, it was a dirty slide. Uh, I don't think so. You're the rule says you're not allowed to slide past the base, and he, his entire body ended up on the other side of the base after the slide. It was clearly, you don't end up like that not by not sliding like that intentionally. He clearly knew what he was doing, LJ. I find it hard to believe that he didn't go in that hard, especially in this point of the game where these teams are never are done playing each other after this game today, right? They're done for the season. It's the ninth inning. He has a chance to kind of stick it to this Tigers team. Uh, it's a dirty slide, but he got right. his point. Right. Yeah, let me remake my kind of statement there that I didn't really make but I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I wouldn't call it dirty is it not the most technically legal yes but I doubt that there was any outright malicious intent you watch the slide and first off mind you everything was to the ground it was completely to the ground he wasn't trying to spike Goodrum any of that, which, I mean, I take that stuff very serious. I take, Brandon, I think I've been pretty clear across the line about taking slides seriously. I don't have that much of a problem with this one. It feels like it's part of the game. First off, mind you, this, this, if anything, is retaliation after the hit by pitch. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, like, just but, the other, but the other thing is here, he tries to go on the wild pitch. He knows he's not going to get there. But where Goodrum was standing initially and where the ball placement was, I think his intent was more so trying to jar the ball loose than anything. Because where he slid to was exactly where Goodrum, the core of Goodrum's body is. And based on the slide, it just feels to me he was just trying to flip him over, not nothing, nothing necessarily malicious about it. Just uh, it was a hard slide. Was it technically illegal? Yes. Was it, it's kind of like, you know, the 
arguments everybody has about hitting a defenseless player and the targeting calls in the NFL now where it almost gets to be a little too much sometimes because there's only so much a defender can do. He can't predict the future. He can't say, oh, well, this guy's about to move this way in five seconds. I should plan differently. No, you're tackling based on the position the guy is in when you go to start tackling. And if the guy moves, is that really entirely on your on you? No. And so, yeah, overall, I don't have a problem with this. I would not, I certainly would not call it dirty. It's just, it, it was a piece of the game. And, you know, sometimes tempers flare with that stuff, but I would not call it malicious and intent. He was not trying to hurt Nico Goodrum. Yeah, I don't think he was trying to hurt him. Uh, it just, the whole sequence of events, him, him getting hit, uh, and then sliding hard into second base. I mean, it's certainly not the first time we've seen something like that, right? So I'm not going to say that this is completely out of the ordinary. Nico Goodrum's reaction to it, though, makes me just think that that there was a little something going on there, uh, especially if then the the the, the bench is clear. Because I usually, like, sure, Abreu, like, went up to him. Like, I, I don't know exactly what was said, but uh, – Goodrum probably said something along the lines of, you know, what the F man, I'm sure Abreu responded with choice words of his own. And then they kept it going. So, you know, they could have ended it right there. Abreu could have been like, you know, but they're, they're baseball players. You're in the moment. You're not going to own up to what you just did because you don't think what you just did was wrong because you're not watching the replay in slow motion of what you just did. So no, I'm sorry. and, and that's the other thing, too, is I'm not sure it always you can really ju- judge that well those type of situations. I mean, there's certainly plenty of times where you slide late and you don't even realize it. There's plenty of things you do now, Brandon, in your regular day that you did weird or you did incorrectly that you didn't notice at the time. But after further examination, you're like, oh, wow, how the hell did I not notice that? The other thing you have to keep in mind here, too, is this is the most interesting, or no, eh, right, that might be, that's, that's way too hot a take. One of the most interesting matchups in the next five to seven years. This Detroit team, they're now 75 and 81 on the year. I have a good feeling that they're going to pick up games against the Twins and be in a really good position finishing this year. Certainly a much improved year for them with more and more help coming on the way from their farm system. Detroit will be a playoff contender within the next two years, maybe, maybe three at most, but I'd say two years. And so when that comes into play, all of a sudden you've got two relatively young teams in the white Sox and the tigers in the same division that are going to be going at each other 24 seven. I think Detroit already recognizes that. I think Chicago already recognizes that. And there's going to be a real rivalry picking up here. Well, when the new CBA makes the playoffs 14 teams, uh, the Tigers, I think, will be in line for a playoff spot next year, uh, which, LJ, my my uncle is a diehard Tigers fan. He watches every single game, just like the way me and you are with the Yankees and Red Sox. He is <laughs> – overjoyed with how good the team has played this year compared to what he thought. He thought it was going to be another year of just bad baseball, wasting the summer three hours a night watching just an incompetent team. But no, he's like, you know, there's this, these these young pitchers and sure Matt, Matt Manning has not looked the best. He didn't have a good start today, but these guys are all young. Casey Mize is an all-star. Yeah, he is an all-star. And I, I just think that at this point, the Tigers, you're right, LJ, they are a team that is trending upward for the future. It's, uh, yeah, it's certainly interesting. Brandon, it's just, it's so nice to be pleasantly surprised by your team season. And your team's success. Yeah, it must be nice to expectations is so nice. Must be nice to overperform and not underperform. Whoa, that's a shot across the bow, sir. Red Sox over 
overperformed this year compared to last year. Absolutely. Yeah, that's not overperforming. Overperforming, you can't overperform over an entire season. You can exceed your expectations. You can't overperform. Overperforming, overperforming for the Red Sox was leading the division at the end of July. Yeah. That yeah. that that was overperforming. Like this team has played better than what I think their be- their technical normal really good baseball is for a very good portion of the season. They played way better than it and exceeded those expectations. But then all of a sudden they come back down to earth for a little bit. They overperform. However, you cannot say over 162 games somebody can have a better record than what their talent is. Their record is what their talent is. That's a good point. Uh, and, that, and that's across everything. That's across uh, the farm system. That's across management. That's across the regular day-to-day roster. Overall, the strength of a, strength of a club is flat out all put together at 162. Well, LJ, let's get into this scenario that I saw on Reddit and it got Jeff Passan talking on Twitter, which uh, anytime Jeff Jeff Passan goes on a bit of like a rant slash thread thing on Twitter, you know, it's, it's pretty good. LJ, this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And this is as of the night of Monday, September 27th. So essentially, here's what it says. If the Blue Jays win two out of three in New York, the Yankees get swept by Tampa. Toronto goes one and two against Baltimore. Oakland wins two out of three in Seattle and sweep Houston. The Mariners sweep the Angels and Boston somehow goes two and four. The AL wild card will end in a five-way tie. Now, I am fine. Uh, here's what Jeff Passon said about that. He said, the five-way tie on Reddit is stupid and won't happen. And I'll exactly. gladly get at old takes exposed on this one, you monsters. But for the five-way tie, Baltimore needs to beat Toronto twice. Oakland has to sweep Houston and Tampa has to sweep the Yankees and all other ridiculousness. This scenario will be but- dead by Friday at the latest. Yeah, because also I wanted to bring up the fact that reasonably you're probably asking for Baltimore to take at least one from Boston as well. Or no. If the Red Sox go two and four, the Red Sox have to go two and four. Yeah. The Red Sox have to go two and four against the Orioles and the Nationals. I think that the Baltimore thing is the reason that nobody should even be freaking talking about this. Passon's 100% right. This is. There's so many great – that's actually yeah, that's what bothers me. There's so many great stories going on in baseball right now. Like, we do have five teams legitimately competing for this wild card. Why can't we appreciate that rather than rooting for this ridiculous tie which sees the Baltimore Orioles. Brandon, the Baltimore Orioles, you know, the little black and orange bird things that have been incompetent for the last four years. They have to go – what is it? Four and two, five and one in their last. Uh, the Orioles would have to. Where does it say here? Uh, yeah, they would have to. OK, so the Orioles would have to win two out of three against the Blue Jays and, and somehow get- win two out of. So two out of three against the Blue Jays and two out of three against the Red Sox. And they're probably going to win a combined two games at the most in those six. Yeah, that's, no. Not happening. Look, this, um, is, this is what's going to happen. Reasonably, with the way things are trending right now, I'm given, is it okay if I just, I'm sorry, as much as I love to see Seattle in, Oakland's done. Oakland is cooked. I stand by that. Seattle, your odds are not good enough for me to consider you here you gotta lj you gotta be on the seattle train they have the longest playoff drought in big four sports right now come on well, brandon who do you want them to take out the yankees would you like to offer up no, boston please boston yeah, exactly. i mean so come on um 
Yeah. So Marco Gonzalez pitching at Yankee Stadium in the wild card game. Fire me up, LJ. Yeah, that's that's basically the only reason the Yankees have had success in the last five years is because they get somebody like the freaking Oakland, the Twins, Seattle that's going to roll over and show them their bellies in the wild card game. Yeah, it's okay. And, <laughs> and, and then we make the CS, so it's okay. Um, yeah, because you get the Indians after that. <laughs> Gee, brutal out here. Um, no, reasonably, there. I am looking for five and one in the next six for Boston. I think that's doable. I think that's probably the most likely because Brandon, we can all agree, baseball is a very fickle game. Even against bad competition, it's not unlikely for you to drop at least one of six games to bottom teams. It's gonna happen. Like it, it happens. I, I think five and one for them here. I think with based on current form, the Yankees probably take two from Toronto in this three game series. And they probably take two from Tampa as well. Well, LJ, oh. Jeff Passan then tweeted out a much more realistic situation. I would like to read through this because you'll like this. He said, if the Blue Jays take two out of three from the Yankees and sweep the Orioles, so far, that's very reasonable to me. Yes, very. The Yankees take two out of three from the Rays, okay, which could happen. No, 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 no. It is reasonable because they're going to be lining up their pitching. While the only – that this is an interesting case because if this was any other team, it would be much more likely that they'd take two out of three – it's However, in the Bronx, so. No, but no. But either way, there has been a legitimate ri- rivalry created between the Rays and the Yankees that wasn't there a couple of years ago. Yeah, because they like to throw in, at us. In these last two, I mean, you, you had it coming. But um, either way, there you cannot deny that this is a rivalry, and I am sure that for every single player on that team, there is nothing that those Rays players would like more than to not have the Yankees in the playoffs just because they can. And so that I think is going to make convinced management to put a much more competitive lineup out there than necessary. And then the other thing you have to consider is that they do have the, the uh, time off. They don't start till Wednesday or Thursday. So you don't have to do that much work to set up your bullpen or set up your rotation. So overall, you're going to see a better than I think you normally would for the top team in the league, but it's not going to be crazy. So it's certainly very doable for the Yankees to take two here as my long-winded way to get there. Well, if the Yankees are able to do that, so no, so right now the situation is Toronto takes two or three from the Yankees. Toronto sweeps the Orioles. The Yankees take two or three from the Rays. The Red Sox win four out of six against the Orioles in Washington. We'll have a three-way tie for the two wildcard spots. Jeff Passan says he loves chaos, and here's how it would work. In the case of a three-way tie for two spots, the tiebreakers go like this. Club A hosts Club B in the first game, and the winner gets the first AL wildcard spot. The loser then travels to Club C for the second game, and the winner gets the second AL wildcard spot. Pretty straightforward. Now, but now you're asking, who would be Club A, Club B, Club C? Because they won their season series against both teams, the Red Sox get the first tiebreaker pick. Toronto beat New York, so it would choose second. Presumably, Boston would be Club A, which gets a home game and two cracks at winning. What would Toronto do with the second pick? On one hand, you'd rather have two bites at the apple. So choosing club B makes the most sense. At the same time, if you've ever been to Rogers Center, you know about the incredible atmosphere and an elimination game at Fenway Park first and then Yankee Stadium next sounds awful. I agree with that. Oh, and by the way, in this entire scenario, there is one more possibility. The Mariners sweep the A's and Angels and finish 92 and 72. 92 and 72. Got that? Yep. Also finishing 92 and 70. 
That would give us a four-way tie. And then it would just be two head-to-head matchups, which would not be as chaotic, but still pretty great. LJ, you're probably sitting nice right now, knowing that if there was a three-way tie, the Red Sox will for sure get two games uh, to get themselves into the playoff. Well, exactly. It's honestly, look, I, I, I was actually meaning to make this speech. As far as I'm concerned, the playoffs start today. This is where you have to play winning baseball, no ifs, ands, or buts. But as long as they play their game, there is not a reason that they should not be in this. Am I wrong in that? You beat beatable teams, you get in. And while I won't be incredibly, I'll be disappointed. I certainly wouldn't call this season a failure, but I'll be disappointed if they don't make it. If they are not able to pull this out against the Orioles, pull out a playoff spot, while playing the Orioles and the Nationals, then they didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. And that's it. Someone just replied to Passon and said, MLB needs to have eight teams in the playoffs. Make the first round a three-game series. Second round, five games. LCSs and World Series, seven games. You see, I'm fine with that until... Can you block him for me? Yeah, sure. See, I'm fine with that until you have the first place Giants facing the eight seed whoever in a three game series and then somehow losing. And then you have this eight seed team that now only has to win three out of five to get to the CS, which the the MLB playoffs has just been so fascinating to me as the as I've just become more of a fan of the league because you play so many games in the regular season for then to boil down to just a few games. We're like in the NBA, you play 82 games, but then it's a seven game series. That seven games is a much larger sample size and the, and the better team wins in the NBA playoffs far more often than the on paper better team does in the MLB playoffs in my mind. And that's just because of the sample size. And well, that's why we need so many games in baseball to be able to see what teams are actually good and what teams just went on little stretches. And it's amazed me that we just have it boiled down to this system where even GMs like Billy Bean have said, all our goal is, is to make it to the playoffs. And then we just have to get lucky for 20 games and that's it. And I agree with him. And to have a playoff system that you could potentially have tiebreaker games and stuff like that. It's, it's fascinating to me. What would your perfect solution be? I, I don't really think there is one. I mean, you would. Brandon, like, you're the, you're the sports czar of the United States. You oversee everything and you can have a hand in everything. And largely what you say goes, what, how do you change this system? I think like maybe a ladder style format for the playoffs would be better incentivizing you. Like if you, if you have, if you're the best seed, if you're the best, if you have the best record in your league, you like automatically get a buy to the CS. That's how it works in the KBO. Mm-hmm. And, or you start off in like a three game series but you already start off up one nothing, or you could do a five game series and you already start off up a game to zero. Uh, incentivize doing better in the regular season more than just a home game, uh, I think, if you're going to have the season that long. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Well, I, I think this is a good time for me to bring up my, my thing I pitched to you the other night. You didn't take it too well. Wild card game. A seven-inning triple header all in one day. The, mar- the great marathon of baseball. You would just have to make the rosters way bigger because oh. I'm I'm just picturing a scene where we have Tony Larusa managing in it, and he chooses to use Liam Hendricks three times in one day. I mean, he's already used him twice in one day. Can you imagine? Because <laughs> oh, LJ, back in his day, we used to play ten games in one day. But that's what makes it exciting is that you gotta like. You got to push the boundaries. Like, obviously. Take it nine innings then. Start at 10 a.m. I want three nine-inning games. You want three nine-inning marathon games? It, yeah, it would be if it's a baseball marathon, shouldn't we keep it, keep the rules and everything? Is, is No, you're right. You're right. The question becomes, do we want the 40-man roster up? First off, I'm going to start by saying, I hate that we changed it so the, four, the full 40-man doesn't come up for September because I think that makes things so much easier. Like, you know, I don't miss I like seeing the absolute most random players just like playing in September. I don't miss that entirely. Fun. You know, I mean, you need you need the bullpen arms sometimes, honestly. Like it you makes do. it a lot easier with the moves. But yeah, I mean, you could definitely do the forty man full forty man for the wild card game. But at the same time, do you want to? Because that's also going to incentivize um, managers if they're like. If they're if they're up a game and they've got a big lead, all of a sudden you're gonna put in your like seventh inning guy from the triple A team to close out the ninth inning until he gets into trouble. And I'm not sure that's the best baseball. But either way, you cannot tell me you're not entertained by the idea of a triple header. No, that's that one that... innings to decide who goes to the playoffs. It's Certainly, or just, or just one 21 inning game. <laughs> no, I'll pass on that. The problem with the triple header is that the wild card games are always on weekdays, and I just don't see how people are going to be sitting at work. It's 10 a.m., and it's like, okay, I'm going to sit here and watch. My team season on the line starting at 10 a.m. in a seven-inning game. I just don't know that you would get a great a great showing at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday uh, to start this. Come on. Who doesn't want to see Joe Girardi pitch Zach Wheeler for 20 straight innings? He would – who doesn't want to see – to do it too. You mean, LJ, you're telling me – when the Yankees and Red Sox split the first two games, and then you well, see I thought, I thought Andrew we're at one game now. Oh, it, it's one. It's one twenty-one inning game. Yes. Okay, so you're telling me when it's tied seven-seven, and we're going to the bottom of the twenty-first, you see Andrew Heaney coming out of the bullpen to save the Yankees' season. Can we t- real quick? The Yankees were able to reinstate Jonathan Loizaga today. And instead of DFAing Andrew Heaney, we use Albert Abreu's option year once again to send him back down when every single indication points to that we don't need another left-handed pitcher. We have so many lefties in the bullpen. We just will not DFA this guy because we are so terribly scared that the Red Sox or Rays or someone in the AL is going to pick up this guy off of waivers when pull out. Yeah. We are so scared of that. It, it, it amazes me that we will send down productive players to keep this guy on our roster. <laughs> Love it. I can't believe you don't want to see the 20 inning game from Zach Wheeler. It. <laughs> Blake Snell will get taken out in the third inning. Third inning. <laughs> third inning. That's it. The Rays choose to do a bullpen game for 21 innings straight. Um, Here comes Hudson Head for the 17th inning, LJ. 
how do you even yeah do you just yeah you'd have to i think i think yeah you bring a guy out to do two times through the order to start with and he's a lefty and then from then on you just go all righties you like you like completely switch the guy out and it's like one of your best pitchers you don't pitch him the whole way just to trick people into giving you a bad lineup Oh, you mean, you know, LJ, the Yankees have done that before. I remember we started Jay Happ in a playoff game, or not. We started someone else, then we brought Jay Happ in in the second inning. I remember okay, that. I was going to say, usually when Jay Happ gets pulled, that's just him getting shelled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> happy that he's not on the team this year. But LJ, we do have a few more things that we need to talk about. First, Brandon Belt has a fracture in his left thumb. No uh, not a good, not good timing for the Giants. The postseason is a week away. Belt has been hitting really good as of late since August 5th. He has an OPS over 1,100, 18 home runs since August 5th. Uh, LJ, that's a 183 OPS plus. This is a big hit for the Giants. Look, they're already guaranteed a playoff spot. Uh, but this is real unfortunate timing because a guy like, I believe it was JT Real Muto had this injury, and I think Joey Votto had this injury I was reading, and they both missed about a month. Uh, there's no timeline as of right now, but if it is a month, LJ, that would put him at a potential like game five of the World Series return from right now. It's not even worth it at that point. I think it's safe to say that he's... Oh, it's worth it. No, he's not done for the year. I'll pump the brakes on that right now because, look, th- this is Brandon Belt we're remembering here. This is a vet who loves this team. This is probably his best, his best, no, probably last chance at winning another ring. I would be shocked, or I wouldn't be shocked, at least I should say, if he just found a way back in three weeks or two and a half weeks like significantly cut down the time it might not be the best thing on his body but that's like you see great players do that a lot where they'll sacrifice what their body really should be doing for just to come back to the team especially for the playoffs yeah for a playoff like that yeah so I think he is definitely going to have a quicker return than any other player with it the precedent isn't the same but that being said, this has just – this is a big blow because this team has kind of finally gotten healthy. Like, they spent the better part of the back half of the year really beat up. Really since June, they've been beat up and have still found a way to win 102 games. And now you lose, again, one of your most productive hitters. That's brutal. Now, LJ, does it make any difference to – actually, this would probably help your case here that he is a free agent at the end of this year. So he's probably going to want – He's not going to want to end his season like like this. And potentially his career with the Giants. No, he's not. And the other thing is, I think we can say it's pretty reasonable that he'd probably rather stay in San Francisco right now. I mean, he's been a career career giant. He's drafted by him. We haven't heard anything of him wanting to leave. I haven't looked into enough to know whether he's even flat out said, I want to stay. But you can kind of have the leverage there of like – if he comes back from this early and is successful, and especially if they win the World Series, it kind of forces the Giants' hand to make sure he comes back next year. It does, but with his stats that he's put up in 2020 and 2021, I can guarantee you the Giants will not be the only team interested in his services, as he has been outstanding the last two seasons, uh, which... Teams are going to want to see that. Even though he is 33, we saw how many one-year deals got done. So it's a possibility. All right, LJ, we're going to do – we're starting with this episode. We're going to do post-mortems for every team in the league. Uh, very brief, about five minutes or less. Uh, just, yeah, it's a post-mortem of their season. We figured we'll start off with the Padres because we're not a Padres podcast. No, we're not a Padres podcast. I've never been a Padres podcast. We 100% did not sell our souls 
to the Padres on April 1st on opening day. Uh, by that, you, by that, you mean December 29th. Yeah. When we started the show. So, all right, LJ, I guess first, uh, Look, it's just general thoughts on the season, I guess, first. Uh, they underperformed. Simple as that. Yeah, they look, they underperformed. But at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily that bad a thing because this is a team that really exceeded expectations last year. And then I think because they exceeded expectations and they've got such a great player in Fernando Tatis Jr., when they started to add pieces and build this team and say, we want to be a contender, we raised the expectations way too much. Like it's not, it, even though they also raised that bar, we went a little too far as well. So I can't, I can't say I'm that surprised. You can't just most teams, unless you've got a lot of really solidified veterans, which this team doesn't, you need, time to be able to build up and ensure that this is a great team and they just didn't have that group I mean Vince Velasquez has been a nice addition this year but Hugh Darvish has been a hot mess since they brought him over terrible since they instituted the sticky stuff rules he's been probably the worst pitcher in the league since that point Blake Snell another hot mess over the time since he was traded here and then you've got guys like Mackenzie Gore who doesn't come up and help fill this out. Um, Denilson Lamet, fine year. It didn't blow the doors off anything. Part of that's injuries. But that's a big issue. Mark Melanson is also a massive issue for this team. I'm st- I stand by it. This is not a closer who's going to win, win you a championship. He's not. And so that to have such a gaping hole – when it comes to winning the whole thing at the back end of your bullpen is also a problem. And then to have this offense, which looked good for most of the year, um, really good until August. And then August comes and the Max Scherzer trade happens and they hit a brick wall and they're now 13th in scoring. So there's a lot more to go on this team. I think there's certainly a bright future ahead. They just have to keep refining this roster. Most of these aren't, a sprint they're a marathon and I think the good thing with the Padres is that you know with them extending Tatis they have Manny Machado on that long-term deal as well in terms of roster turnover there's really not going to be a lot I mean let's not forget Ha Young Kim he signed what was it a five-year deal like it's yep. it's a long contract that he's on and he's been a very crucial uh, bench piece this year. He's not been as good as I expected him to be. Uh, but I think I predicted he was going to play in over 110 games. He's played in 112 games. He really does make an appearance in a lot of games for the Padres. Not, and he's not in the starting lineup very much. But his utility has been great for them. Uh, the other bright spots, of course, uh, a guy like Jake Cronenworth is still going to be still has a ton of years of service time left. He's going to be on this roster. Trent Grisham has a lot of service time left. He's turning into a solid player, especially on defense. They have a lot of guys that are going to be able to stick around here. Let's not forget about who they return at the start of next year. They'll be getting Chris Paddock, Mike Clevenger, uh, quite a few of these uh starting pitchers that they lost they'll be getting back and it's going to be a new look team uh it's certainly you know not out of the question that they're going to be uh up there competing for the playoffs the next few years there's a lot of talent on the roster and they I really like their their outlook it's just they put everything together and it just didn't work year one well, we still saw LJ, and I think this is a good segue to the best moments of the year. This team had a stretch into May where it was, you know, we thought that they were maybe going to run away with the NL West here. And I think that might be a, maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but they had taken three out of four against the Dodgers. 
Uh, and at that point, they played seven games against the Dodgers. They were four and three overall. So through the first seven games, to have a winning record against Los Angeles was huge. They then, I'm looking at their game logs here, they sweep the Cardinals in three games. They sweep the Rockies. They sweep the Mariners. That's all in a row there. Then they take two out of four against the Brewers in Milwaukee, and they come out of that series into Houston, take two out of three, and they're still in first in the division. I mean, that's a gauntlet of a schedule there where you have Milwaukee, Houston, the Dodgers, the Cardinals all in there. And then they end that stretch still in first place at the end of May. So honestly, their best best moment was probably that big win streak stretch there because they never really picked it up from that moment on that was the last time they were in first but what we saw out of that team the first two months of the season was very impressive so I'm not going to pick an individual moment but I would say that the first two months were what they certainly showed what this team can be in the future oh I'll pick an individual moment and it is certainly the biggest bright spot of the season the first no-hitter in Padres history by Sir Joe Musgrove will be immortalized forever in this Cannot town. Cannot believe I forgot that. A hometown guy comes in and manages to... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready throw the first no-hitter in team history. That's huge. That's huge to have in the first month of the season, the first month where you have a lot of bright hope for this team and a lot of momentum, and that added immensely to the momentum and the hype. All right, LJ, the biggest or the uh, the biggest surprise, best surprise, however we want to do this, uh, what were you surprised about with this Padres team this year? Um, so what I meant, what I intended by this was the player. So player, okay. In terms of a good way, biggest surprise. This is gonna sound stupid, but Fernando Tatis is really good. <laughs> yep. Like, it's... don't get me wrong. I thought he was probably deserving of the money when he got the big extension. I thought he was gonna be a really good player. This dude is a great player. This dude is already a superstar, and he hasn't like played two full seasons of worth of baseball yet. It's a very bright road ahead for the Padres. It's a very bright road ahead for Fernando Tatis Jr. I was expecting good things. I wasn't expecting these things to be this good. Yeah, in in terms of players who have played at least 120 games this season, Fernando Tatis has the highest war per 162 games. Uh, actually, behind him is Juan Soto, who's about a half war behind that with this season stats averaged out over 162 so yeah certainly the biggest surprise this dude is more than a superstar he's a legitimate top five player in the league and it's gonna be fun to watch him uh I agree with that with the best surprise as for the biggest failure uh a couple of guys stand out here for me uh Tommy Pham has not been good, and we saw him with increased production uh, in years past. You could put it on maybe like a Will Myers and Eric Hosmer, but I'm not going to go with a hitter here. Uh, LJ, I think you know where we're going. Is it is it wrong to pick you, Darvish? No, it's not. 
I think it would have been contested earlier in the year, but right now it is certainly not wrong. This dude has, I mean, you can go into more explanation seeing this is your pick, but he has fallen off a major cliff all while the guy who looked atrocious through the first half of the season started to ball out before he got hurt in Blake Snell. So it's a really bad look for their, the guy that they traded for to be their ace. LJ, I wanted to ask you real quick. So you know how we were doing our Cy Young evaluations, right? With like the good start, blow up start thing. What, what constituted as a blow up start again? Five earned or more. Okay. Uh, you Darvish has had five blow up starts just in the second half of the season. Oh. Now, keep in mind, most of the guys that we were talking about Cy Young-wise were having maybe four of those on the year. Like, uh, Corbin Burns might have four on the year at most. Uh, I got another one here for you. Since June 3rd, so pretty big sample here. He is 3-9. and nine. Okay, and his team's and his team has gone seven and eleven in those eighteen games. Five six four ERA, four point six FIP. I mean, those are bad numbers. Though that's bad pitching right there. And that's since June third, the crackdown on sticky stuff happened in early June. Uh, compare that to what he did up until June third. His April first through June third stats. Uh, he had a 2.25 ERA, and his teams were 11 and one in his starts. So 11 and one to seven and 11 is—I don't want to say that this guy was completely reliant on the sticky stuff, but the way that everything has happened, you would—you would have to think. Well, Brandon, I'm going to give you one more piece before we move on, and that is he has had a total of two great starts by our logic since the end of June. You can't, which is one or which is one earned run or less. Yes. You cannot be that inconsistent and because, and call yourself an ace. You can't. No. And you look at some of the games. And then you look at some of the teams that he's lost to. I mean, let's see here. One of them at Philadelphia. Uh, he takes a loss at Atlanta. You know, those are both teams that are competing for the playoffs. Takes a loss against the Dodgers. Takes a loss at Arizona where he just gets blown up. Two and two-thirds, five earned runs. That's not a loss that you can take if you're the Padres in Arizona with presumably your ace on the mound. It, it can't happen, especially when you're losing all these other games, too, in there. Uh, he falls, falls victim to the Cardinals on this big streak that they're on. He actually pitched really good in that game, too, which is a shame. But it's not about that. It's about whether or not you won the game or not. And he, his, his teams have not been winning games. He is the biggest failure on this Padres team. All right. Well, my biggest failure, I'm going to go, I am going to go for a, hit, a hitter here, and that's going to be Adam Frazier. Mm. He has very luckily righted the ship here somehow, some way. I was just haven't checked in a while. Got himself up to a slash line of 273, 332, 337 with the Padres. Now that's still under a 670 OPS, but that's a lot better than he was doing a couple weeks ago. And while I blame the failure of this year on mentalities, the mentality of people like Manny Machado, I think this, his performance, Adam Frazier's performance and contribution to this team is equally a, or not equally, but almost as much a part of the downturn of this Padres team over the past year or over the past uh, couple of months. Because, Brandon, he was their pickup. They were supposed to be getting Max Scherzer. That was going to be their big thing, going to give them the momentum to go on through to the through the playoffs. But 
instead they end up with just Adam Frazier and they're like, okay, let's see what you got for us. And then he sucked for the first six weeks he was there. He was atrocious. And that's gotta blow, be a big blow to the fan base, to the dugout when you do have to kind of compare yourself in those situations and that just doesn't get it done. All right. Well, let's get on to the Baltimore Orioles post-mortem. There we go. Uh, LJ, as for thoughts on the season, um, we this is exactly what we expected. I can't say that I'm surprised whatsoever, and that's not a bad thing for the Orioles, I don't think, at all. They could have anywhere between 40 and 60 wins, and I would have the exact same thought process on them. Yeah, you know, you're right. This has been a pretty – this is what we expected. Maybe I expected a little more building during this year than we got. But overall, I can't say that this is a failure. They did exactly what they intended to do. If I were in their situation, I would have tried to be a little more proactive at the deadline. Look, I know – that some of the got your best performers were only up a year or two now. They still have plenty of years of service time left, but they have a lot of years of service time left. You can get quite a bit for these guys. And at 27 years old with some of these guys like Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, um, Trey Mancini, you couldn't do that too. But there is other guys here, I think, of value that, they probably could have moved for something pretty valuable. Brandon, we can, what do we want to say? Four years for the Orioles? See, here's the thing. And like we were talking about this, I think it was on a show last week, where it's already been four years of them being terrible, right? It, at some point, you the the actual tanking part need you have to actually start winning games at some point they can build up this farm system for as many years as they want to until i see them have some sort of improvement on the field i can't put an accurate timeline here i mean cedric mullins awesome he's their best performer this year lj and i don't even have to think about it when we go to our best surprise it's Cedric Mullins he's legitimately been one of the best players in the league this year your first 30-30 season in Orioles history what else yeah. do you need and this is a team that has had some amazing players in their franchise's history I mean Cal Ripken Brooks Robinson Jim Palmer Eddie Murray just to name a few off the top of my head those guys are all hall of famers in their own right and none of them were able to do what Cedric Mullins did this year. Another great center fielder for them, Adam Jones. I mean, he didn't even come close to doing something like that. So awesome for Cedric Mullins. You're not going to trade him, of course, because you think that he is um, a key piece to the franchise. But yes, What's that? Brandon, let's get back to the original point we were at, which is we, haven't, we can't put a timetable time on this because they haven't done anything. Frankly, I'm not sure they're ever going to do anything if they don't get into a modern idea of what a pitcher is, and at, which actually would allow them to develop quality pitching and not be dead last in the league in ERA across the board. I just I don't see this team turning it around within the next four years to being actually contender. Four years from now, you've got a Cedric Mullins with one year left on his uh, one year worth of service time left at age 31. So tell me he is actually going to be a piece of a quality major impact player for a potential Baltimore Orioles championship run. You're right. If, if, he's, and if also he's not, if he's not, you've got a guy who's got 30 home, who has proven he can get 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases in a year. He's almost batting 300 and he's got five years or four years after this of service time left. What team isn't going to pay a good prospect for that? I mean, 
there's, there were certainly teams needing outfielders. I can think of one in the Oakland athletics. Maybe they aren't going to be as willing to give up a big prospect as other teams, but there's certainly teams out there that were looking for outfield Yankees looking for outfield help this year. And you're, you would be handed somebody with four years of service time. That's already an all-star starter caliber player you're getting him in his prime with four years of control left. That's a no brainer for a team to even overspend on. So I just think he was too good a piece to keep on this team. It's a good point. Uh, It certainly is LJ in terms of the biggest failure, or actually let's talk about their best, their best moment. We, cause we can both agree the best surprise is Cedric Mullins. What's the best moment from this team this year? Brandon, it's the only moment we are able ever able to bring up. The John Means no-hitter. The John Means, the closest you can get to a perfect game without it being a perfect game, as the one guy who reaches is on a drop third strike. Uh, yeah, he does it in Seattle. Uh, we both were on the John Means Cy Young case for that week. <laughs> That was a fun week, especially because he had just shut down the Red Sox to start the season, right? Yep. And he was looking good. Yeah, I mean, it's by far their best moment uh, that they've had in a long time. So agree with that. LJ, like you said, they still can't figure out what a modern pitcher is. The biggest disappointment slash failure <laughs> – LJ, is it wrong for me wanting to say Matt, Matt Harvey? <laughs> you know, that was the first guy I looked at. It's not entire. I don't think it's wrong, but it's an old take to say the least. I mean, I think at this point he's cooked, but he yeah. was already cooked before he went into this. I'll give you another one, though. Cesar Valdez. Yeah, he has got the dude got DFA'd. The, the dude got DFA'd, and he started the season as their closer. Leading the league in saves through the first two weeks of, of the season, I think. Exactly, yep. That's right. I guess that's the biggest disappointment. If the Orioles are willing to waste a roster spot on Brooks Kriske and not Cesar Valdez, uh, what have we gotten to at this point? What are we doing? <laughs> but a strange world. The Baltimore Orioles do not exist. I'm convinced they are just, they're just not real. You know they exist. They're just, you know, I don't think a, I don't think a baseball franchise this incompetent could exist. I'll say that. But there's there's a, but there's a team that consistently loses to this incompetent franchise. So apparently a more incompetent franchise does exist by that logic. Okay. By the tran, what is that? The transitive property of incompetence. Yep that that would be it. As I don't want to talk about all the games the Yankees dropped to them this year, as this wild card race would not even be a thing had we had just won a couple of those games. It is what it is, though, and that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all for listening. Check us out, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at MLB Daily Pod, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you mañana.